I think I'm going to make a t-shirt that just says fucking Gary on it. F star star K-I-N-G Gary. Yeah. Yeah. And then put in the flesh. <laughs> I'm going to lower this microphone just a second. Because I feel like the takeaway phrase for this entire thing would be fucking Gary. Yeah. Fucking Gary. Is it ironic that your brother's middle name is Gary? I don't think so. No. Coincidental? I think it's just coincidental. Yeah, I think it probably is. <clears throat> As accounted, these don't actually exist. These people don't actually exist. And this right. guy's probably a really nice guy in real life. But now if I ever see him in anything else, I'm going to be like, fucking Gary. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And of course, if you don't know what we're talking about, I highly encourage you to go back, start season one, and watch from season one, episode one, all the way through to now, because we are about to discuss the finale of In the Flesh, season two, episode six. And I don't want to be the mother-in-law from episode five, where she spoils it for the for her daughter-in-law. Horrifically. Yeah. Spoils it. On purpose. Yeah. Um, hysterically, one might say. I wanted to look up the lyrics for that song that we start out with, because it's a very interesting choice. Morning Has Broken by Cat Stevens. At the very beginning of the episode? Yep. Because okay. it's, we've been hitting the religious overtones subtly, but steadily. So we had the Last Supper in the last episode. Mm -hmm. And then we start with this Morning Has Broken. And it's stuff like morning has broken like the first morn like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for them springing fresh from the world. So this could very easily be interpreted as um we're a little bit hinting about the importance of firsts and of new mornings, new beginnings. New risings, some might say. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I think that was an interesting choice. And we introduced two new characters. Bold move for the last, yes. <laughs> the last episode of the last season of a season that already had its fair share of characters. Yes. Because. But before we get too far. Oh. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Rachel. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Thank you for having your your eye on the formula there. You're welcome. Well, I think we need a sign that's like, well, before we begin, and you can just point at it. And I'll be like, oh, right. Yeah, we got to introduce ourselves. Hopefully you know who we are by now because you're not just listening to this at random. And if you are listening to this at random, stop what you're doing and go watch In the Flesh. Unless you don't care about spoilers because honestly, I wouldn't care. But... <clears throat> I recognize that there are people in this world for whom it is very important that things not get spoiled. 
So we start out at a diner and there's two new characters and a PDS waitress comes up and she's like, hello, I am a PDS sufferer, but I am giving back. I've been administered neurotriptyline in the last 24 hours and I will not go rabid. Tea or coffee? (laughs) And they're like, oh, yeah. Well, the guy asks for coffee and the woman asks for nothing. She's like, I'm not a breakfast person. He goes, oh, but it's the most important meal of the day. And we've still got two more hours to get to Rorton. So we know they're headed to Rorton. We don't know what for, except they're going for a, quote, retrieval. Because he says, retrieval's not Collection. Collection. Collections don't always go as planned. And she's like, okay, yeah, whatever. This reminded me a little bit of the duo from um, Resident Alien. Did you watch any of Resident Alien? Mm-hmm. There's the two characters, um, and the girl is like a homicidal. Yes, the two like secret agents. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, and the girl's super homicidal, and the guy's like, "What are you doing?" Except flipped, I think, or I don't know, I don't know, but it's just like the the secret agent duo. But we don't know anything more about them. We're done for now, except that they're on their way to Rorton, and they work for the company. But we don't find that out till... We um, see their name badges. Oh, we do? Yeah. Oh. Very prominently. Oh. And it has the two guys' names as like a company name. Halpern and Wharton. Halpern and Wharton. Yeah. They're the two people that invented this medication and have gotten... They have their own like pharmaceutical company. A very big influential company now. I mean, keeping people dependent on this medication is keeping money in their pockets. Right. So... These people are after someone. We don't know who. And yeah, anyway, we'll go go ahead. Yeah, and treatments always make more money than cures. Yep. Yeah. So it is now the 12th of December, and we know that because Kieran's waking up. And on the radio, it says, oh, good morning. It's the 12th of December, which means it's the day of the fate. F-E-T-E. But perhaps it is also the day of fate. Mm. F-A-T-E. Well, that's clever. I'll see what you did there, Dominic Mitchell. That was a good one. You know what? Side note, I looked up Dominic Mitchell to see what else he had done. And I'm going on record right now as saying he has not done enough because he wrote this and he won an award. He wrote the first season and he won an award. He wrote like two plays that were like limited run things and they both got like critical acclaim. And then he wrote like an episode of Westworld and then worked as like a producer, writer, like auxiliary writer on the first season and then dot nothing. Nothing. And we almost have as many Instagram followers as he does. This is a tragedy. This is a modern day tragedy because he is such a good writer. I would seek out whatever he had written. I am now considering watching Westworld. I never before in my life wanted to watch Westworld. Okay, I watched the Yule Brenner one, but I'm talking about the television show. And now I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll check out at least the first season. Right, he was working on it for season one. It's like J. Michael Straczynski. You tell me JMS is involved. I'm in. I'm going to watch it. I watched that stupid ninja assassin movie. Was it dumb? Yeah. Was it really well written? Yes. Can these two things exist at the same time? Yes. The worst part was probably not his choice. I mean, I'm sure it's like, did he write that they whisper ninja every time they are ninjaing around? I don't know. He also wrote some episodes of um, Shira, like the OG Shira, and he's written a bunch of comic books. Come on, but he he like he writes and he gets stuff out there. 
maybe Dominic is one of those guys that everything he writes is phenomenal, but he doesn't write a ton, like Patrick Rothfuss. Right. So everything that he writes, you're like, oh, God, that was life-changing. But he does not. he's not Brandon Sanderson. He's the Patrick Rothfuss to J. Michael Straczynski. Let's put it that way. It was just his bad luck that his mag... His opus, his In the Flesh, got put on BBC when BBC was cutting funding to move online, which is bullshit. So that was my soapbox, and I guess we'll get back to the episode. But all is not well in the Walker household. It was not well in the last episode, and it has got not gotten any weller. Because, weller. Yes, thank you. All words are made up. Good one. <laughs> Because the family um, is turning him into the treatment center because they're making him, they feel uncomfortable because of Kieran. Kieran's recent actions are making them feel a little bit not good. And so because of that, they've decided they're going to send him to the treatment center so that he can get back to who he really is. And Kieran's like, this is me. Hi. Hi, I'm Kieran. Hi. Right. They're mistaking Hi. Actual, like, personal growth yeah. with, uh, like, toxic, uh, yeah. a toxic influence from yeah. right. bad friends. He's unmasked himself, finally. And they're like, whoa, 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 put the mask back on. Can you put it back on? We don't like you without it on. And he's basically like, well, I'm sorry, but this is me now. And he tells This has them, always been me, but I've always been wearing a mask. Yeah. But now I'm figuratively and literally removing masking. Mask. Yeah. And he tells them, tells them this is me. And the dad goes, well, time for a professional opinion on that. Oof. Wow. Wow. Dad. Wow. Dad. I don't know. I don't know if this is you or not. I just don't know. And Kieran is like, are you fucking kidding me? I am finally, Holy myself. I am finally expressing myself in a healthy way, and you guys are mad about it. I do feel like this is a moment that, okay, not it to this extreme, but I feel like this is probably a moment that parents come to at least once when a child is growing up. I know most recently our daughter has met a friend, and the friend and her want to hang out like all the time, which is totally fine, totally cute. I love it. But like, I don't know the friend's parents. You want to go over to their house. This is this is a big moment of um, letting go in a way that makes me feel safe, but also makes her feel like she has control over the situation at the same time. And, of course, this isn't like she's not going to go rabid and eat people or anything. So the stakes are a little lower. But at the same time, it's like, oh, this is a hard moment of letting go and letting her grow up a little bit. And mm -hmm. so I think this is a moment of... Kieran is moving away from them. He's growing out of his need for them. And they aren't comfortable with that. Because keeping him the way he was before is safety. Because they don't yes. know what changing and it's will familiar. look like. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And in the meantime, their other daughter is still having a full-on mental breakdown. While they're worrying about the fact that Kieran's no longer wearing his makeup... Jen is still, Jem is still sweating through a towel every night and having horrible nightmares and dating like the village asshole. What is happening? Right. And they're like, oh, well, 
Gary's a nice guy. At least we know he can protect you, I guess. They have no opinion about it. But right, they Kieran, have nothing to say about Gary. Right, but Kieran is finally with a guy, Simon. And Simon's, like, nice. He put on makeup to come and meet them. He tried to keep the peace. Kieran was the one who, like, ended up shattering Sunday lunch. Simon just sat there like, oh, God, I don't know what's happening right now. I, I don't want to get kicked out of another house. So I don't know why we're against Simon, except that they still don't believe Kieran when he says that he didn't do the whole, which we kind of drop that altogether, don't we? Yeah, they don't ever pursue. Basically, they needed him to. Who did it? Right. They don't have any evidence. They don't have anything. They needed him to confess so that they could send him off. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what this sending him to the treatment center is, is it's okay, we're going to let them take you to the treatment center. Yes, it was definitely, it was not them saying, okay, we are sending you to the treatment center. It's, yeah. we acknowledge that they are threatening to send you, and we are not going to get in the way of that. Yeah. And then we go back to Philip and Amy. I'm fine, I'm fine. We <laughs> go back to Philip and Amy, and they're leaving because they've packed up their tent and they're getting ready to head home. And Philip is like, uh, you know, do, do you know anything about what's happening? And she's like, no, I don't know what's happening. I don't, I don't know what's happening to me. And she's freaking out a little bit. She's like, she has been self-identifying as this superhuman, undead, chosen, you know, the redeemed. Undead, liberation, undead liberation army, the Propaganda. redeemed. Yeah. I mean, she was at a commune. She has really hinged her identity and her friend group and her feelings of acceptance on her definition of herself as one of the redeemed. And now that's going away in some way that she doesn't know. It's unpredictable. Something is happening right. it's to changing. her. It's changing. She's becoming something new. Right. And Philip's like, well, maybe you're just special. And she's like, well, my nan always told me I was special, but I thought that was just like a thing that every nan said. <laughs> and he's like, well, why don't we go to the doctor? We'll talk to the doctor about it. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? If I go tell the doctor that I'm coming to life, that I can feel things, that I'm like, my body is waking up, they're going to ship me off and dissect me so fast. You'll Absolutely. have whiplash. Yep. You will have fucking whiplash. Haven't you read Girl with All the Gifts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she knows what's up. Yeah, she knows what's up. And Philip's like, well, let's go home then because – you know, it's chilly out here. And she's like, oh, are you cold? And he's like, are you not cold? And she's like, I'm, I'm freezing. freezing. I'm freezing. Listen, my teeth are chattering. And she puts yeah. her teeth next to his ear. And then they hold hands and walk off together. Uh, this romance broke me. This is so sweet and so lovely. And I would watch an entire 16-episode K-drama with Philip and Amy falling in love. This mm -hmm. would have been so good. Uh, anyway, and then we go back to Kieran because while Amy is discovering new acceptance and new life, so to speak, Kieran is just begging them to not send him back to Norfolk. He's getting his daily medication and he's like, Mom... Please don't send me back. You have no idea what it's like there. And literally no one is listening to him. 
They are not listening to him to the point where they are not even acknowledging that he's speaking. Right. Just no response. Yeah. Just it's not, easier that way. Yeah. Are you going to the fate? Well, I don't know. You all know, be there later, whatever. It's ugh. And then we have this cool scene where all of our characters are prepping for the day. Simon, because we have three characters. Yes, we're doing parallel, like, morning ritual preparation. Right, because at this point, we have three characters who are deeply invested in Simon's actions. Maxine is deeply invested in what Simon's going to do, and fucking Gary is deeply invested. Every These three characters all have an agenda today. And so Simon is laying out his clothes, which to him are like his sacred, like priest robes almost, which is the clothes he rose in. And Maxine is laying out like a fancy outfit. And fucking Gary is laying out his, his uh, RPS. Pseudo military yeah, garb. Garb or whatever. And it's a really interesting moment of like pause and view these people preparing because they are all going to get up to shit today. And then Simon and Maxine both pray. And I think it's really interesting that Simon uses the, you know, he shall not perish but have eternal life mm-hmm. line. And I thought this was a really interesting thing to include and a really interesting twist. Because the whole, like, Bible verse is, you know, and then God shall send his only son mm-hmm. who shall not die but shall have eternal life. And it's literally like, we are equating the fact that we are immortal and that we came back to life as like like Jesus who rose again from the grave and who sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's a good point. Yeah. Technically, Jesus is a zombie. Yeah. And so why would they not identify themselves with like the Messiah? Yeah, the, the resurrected. Yeah. yeah, the resurrection and the life. Yeah, that was nice. That was a good twist. Yeah. A good uh, Gary twist. does, like, do a, like, daily affirmation. Yeah. About. I know, am badass. I still have a dick. <laughs> like, protecting his town from whatever. Oh, okay, sorry, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. I don't want to give him any credit. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done with Gary. But we all three of these, well, two of these characters, Simon and Maxine, are banking on the second second rising for different reasons. But we started off with Maxine verbally saying that she did not want a second rising. Right. Which was a lie, like everything else out of Maxine's mouth. Yeah. Which Henry Lonsdale's mother called. She goes, everything out of that woman's mouth has been a lie. And fair. It has been. And fucking Gary just wants to kill Simon. And he wants to kill Simon so bad. He shows up at Maxine's house and he actually grabs Maxine. And he's like, let me go kill him. And she's like, say the word, say the word and I'll do it. And she's like, go home. I'm ordering you to go home. You do not touch Simon. And here she starts using the term disciple. Whenever she's talking about Simon. The disciple. How does she know he's a disciple? I don't know. But I think this is like the first part in her narrative where she's not covering up 
her motivations anymore. Yeah, she's starting to let it slip because she's so close to her goal. It doesn't matter how much she keeps manipulating people. Right. And Gary does go home. A home. Not his home. He goes to Amy's home. Again. Again. And he breaks down the door and they're all gone. And they've written a quote on the wall and it's like, the dead shall rise again, incorruptible. Okay. And he's like, oh. twelve, twelve. Right. So he writes because it down on a piece 12th. of paper. He's like... Uh, I can't remember all that. So he writes it down on a piece of paper. And then we go back to the mystery people. And they are at Dr. Russo. And Simon was the one who called into question whether or not Dr. Russo would be on their side. He said the living are all the same. He'd throw you under the bus immediately. But Dr. Russo is not. Because they are asking and for even someone's... Amy yeah, was like, you know what the living are like. Well, some of the living. Right. And Dr. Russo's like, I'm sorry, that's confidential information. I can't give it to you. And they're like, all we want is the address. It's fine. Just write it on a piece of paper. Give it to us. No problem. And he's like, I'm not going to give you that. I don't know what you want Did it I for. fucking stutter? Did I fucking stutter? I'm not giving you that. And they're like, so if we got a copy of the medical records, it would indicate that she's between addresses right now? Is that what they would say? And he's like, and again, I say, did I fucking stutter? You get nothing. And they're like, so what you're saying is you don't know where Amy Dyer is. Oh, they're looking for Amy. And Dr. Russo's like, yeah, I don't know where the fuck she is. And they mention those test, those test results that you sent back to us were very interesting. Yeah, Halpern and Western want, Weston want her. They want to know what's going on. She is very important to us. And he's like, I hear what you're saying. But I also don't give a shit, and I'm not right. giving and you anything. Like, I can pass that on to her the next time I see her and get her consent yeah. to initiate a line of communication between her and you guys. Yeah. But right now, Sorry. all you can do, you can leave a memo with me, yeah. and I'll pass it on to her. The best I can do. Sorry. Maybe if she shows up, if she's still in town, if she still exists, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to tell you anything. And we move on. We go back to Philip and Amy. And Amy's like, Philip, will you still love me if I'm not cold? Like, if I'm not a PDS sufferer? Because, I mean, as far as she's aware, uh, he's got a little bit of a thing for PDS sufferers because he was frequenting the brothel. And but I'm once sure again, he didn't tell her I was doing it so somebody could pretend to be you. <laughs> well, he told her. Yeah, oh, because someone looked stop. like her. Yeah, he said there was someone there that reminded yeah. me of someone. Right. Uh, she reminded me of you. Yeah, I it, love it you. It was you. Yeah, yeah, it was you. And he's like, um, I'd love you if you were cold. I'd love you if you were hot. I'd love you if you were tepid. I love you because you're Amy. Full stop. That was the correct answer, Philip. Good job, Philip. Good job, Philip. Because Amy is like, ho, 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 I've bagged a good one. You have, Amy. That's a good choice. And then they're getting close to the fence. Yeah, the boundary And Philip's fence. like, oh, the beating the bounds march thing today is yeah. today. Uh, we'd better stay away from there. Yeah, let's not go that way. So they turn and go a different direction. Whatever this beating of the bounds is. Must be, I don't know if this is like a, they're clearly walking the boundary of the town, but I don't know what this means as like a, 
Is this a long-time tradition? Is this a thing they've started since the rising? I don't know. Beating the bounds or perambulating the bounds mm. is an ancient custom still observed in parts of England, Wales, and the New England region of the United States. Oh, I mean, which didn't know about traditionally it. involved swatting local landmarks with branches to maintain a shared mental map of parish boundaries, usually every seven years. Oh, that's really interesting. These ceremonial events occur on what are sometimes called gang days. The custom of going a-ganging was kept before the Norman conquest. Da -da -da -da. During the event, a group of prominent citizens from the community will walk the geographic boundaries of their locality for the purpose of maintaining the memory of the precise location of these boundaries. While modern surveying techniques have rendered these ceremonial walks largely irrelevant, the practice remains as an important local civic ceremony or legal requirement for civic leaders. Interesting. Interesting. That is I, really I can interesting. See that. So then yeah. the leaders lead the entire town yeah. and say, Here's all this the edges. tree. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> this tree. Bang. <laughs> this rock. Bang. And I you, gotcha. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool, actually. Okay, so that's what they're up to. And they must be walking the border fence. So let's and they've all brought weapons to the beating of the bounds. Yeah. Which I'm sure is a modern adaptation. But uh they end up Philip and Amy end up going to a jumble sale or like a um, Well, this is the fate. The fate, yeah. And it's, I mean, the fate is stuff that's happening all around the town. Today's like well, a right, festival but, day, yeah. but they're like. He has a ticket to get in. Right. There's people selling stuff and some like, you know, just, it's just like a little fair. It's a craft Like fair. a craft fair. And he has a, Philip has a ticket to get in. So he gives the lady, Mrs. Lamb, the lady who was recording everybody, he gives her his ticket. And she's like, excuse me, she doesn't have a ticket. She's not valid. She's not valid. And Philip's like, I think if you will look in paragraph one, subsection two of the charter of the fate that I fucking wrote, it says that everyone who has a ticket is entitled to a plus one. She's my plus one. I assure you she's valid. Don't at me, bro. I wrote that. Mic drop. And she's like, uh, oh, okay. That's fine. I guess. Wait, she can't. He's like, congratulations on being on the city council, but don't speak to me of the deep magic because I was there when it was written. Yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't. And she does say, she gets a, she gets a little barb in because he tells her congratulations on your, your appointment. And she goes, yeah, it's about time this village was uh, represented by God-fearing people and not uh, you, Philip, fornicators and devil worshipers or whatever and he's like okay cool so see ya and so they go off to have fun you know and then we go because amy wants to touch more things right now that she can feel now that she can feel everything and so they go back to the fence and maxine is kicking off the beating of the bounds by like cutting the ribbon on the new border fence which was finished early and under budget thanks to the policies enacted by the city council um Forced, uh, forced labor. enslavement. Forced yeah. labor, yeah. The, of course you went under budget. You didn't pay the workers. And she actually refers to the the border fence as incorruptible. Because her mask is slipping. Yeah. Because she's hearkening to the idea of the dead shall rise again, and this time they will be incorruptible. Huh. And then we go back to Dean. Because Dean is watching the house to keep Kieran in the house. 
And Karen is actually in the process of escaping right now. But Dean is standing outside and Gary drives by and he's like, fucking Gary. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, go Dean. Oh, what does he say? Asshat? Yeah, I think he, he calls him an asshat. He, yeah, he calls him somewhere. Fucking Gary, basically. Translated. And I mean, we've mentioned before, I don't hate Dean. Dean feels like... Um, you know, like an elemental, like a force of nature. He is not evil or good. He just exists. I don't know. Dean doesn't have enough agency to be a bad guy. But Gary gets there and he's like, I'm giving you the day off. And Dean's like, no, no. She said I'd be watching him all day. And Gary's like, come on, I'm giving you the day off, man. Here, go have a mulled cider on me. And he hands him up some money. Now go before I see sense. Yeah, go before I decide I want to go get to make some it mulled friendly. cider. Yeah, he's he's chumming it up a little bit with Dean. And really, fucking Gary is there to beat Kieran up. Because he goes up right as Kieran unlocks his door. And, and then kicks him. And kicks him back. And Kieran is not having this bullshit. I am here for the new Kieran. Because he's getting hit, he's getting punched around, and Gary's trying to say, like, you know, I protected this town. They needed me, and I was here for them. And he's like, fuck you, Gary, you get off on this shit. You got a hard on right now, don't you, Gary? And Gary is like, I need you to be the meek little, the meek little dude you were before. I need you to be that because I need that to validate me. And Karen's, I need to be able to push you around to feel yeah. better about myself. And Kieran's like, whatever, Gary. I'm not here for that anymore. I'm not. I'm not here to provide you with validation. I am done vet punching everybody else's ticket, but my own. You want to validate your parking? You validate it your fucking self. I'm done. And Gary's like, okay, well, whatever. You guys are all evil, and I'm not gonna let what happened during the rising happen again. So maybe I'm not giving Gary credit because I don't want to give Gary any credit. But maybe what happened during the rising affected Gary. Traumatized Gary. Yeah, in the same way that it affected Jemima. But instead of him having night sweats and trying to be, trying to vow that he's never going to hurt anyone again, he needs it to go back to the way it was. So everything that he did will be validated. And so that he'll be needed again. And so he won't have to think about the consequences of what he did or about what it means about him he just needs things to make sense again, and for that, he needs conflict, even if he has to create the right. conflict himself. And for himself. him, things really made sense when he was a hero of the town right? fighting a very well-defined black-and-white enemy. Yes. And we go back to the people marching around the bounds. And Maxine is leading the march, but she drops out as soon as they get to the cemetery, the old cemetery where all the dead Right, rose. and she has Jem lead it. She's like, Jem, you do this. You've got this. You're a war hero. You can do this. And then we go back to the fate or the craft fair where everything's the little booths. And Shirley, I think it's Shirley, Philip's mom, is talking to Kieran's mom. And she's like, oh, it's disgusting what the council's trying to do to him. But it's a good thing he's got you in his corner. And his mom's like, mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. About that. That's mm. really... um." Yeah, we're like the most supportive parents in town. And then we go back. Of course, we're hopping. We've been hopping for episodes now, but it's all happening fast because all this is the climax of a lot of different things. Because Gary finds the blue oblivion in Kieran's room that he picked up from Amy's bungalow last episode. And he snaps. And he's like, 
Oh, you were going to go to the fate, go rabid in front of a bunch of little children, you fucking pervert. Like, Gary, where'd that come from? Projecting much? Is that what you would do, Gary? That's really interesting. Do you want to talk about why that was your first idea of what might happen? Let's unpack that, Gary. Because Kieran's like, oh, that's not mine. I was holding it for a friend. He's like, I don't know. I literally found it at the bungalow. I was, I had no one. I just, I don't know how it got here. I just hadn't flushed it yet. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. And Gary drags him out of the house and forces him into the car. He's like, you want to do that? You want to go rabid? Let's do it. While Simon watches from outside. Yeah, because Simon is... I was is... a little surprised that Simon didn't step in. Well, I think Simon may be hoping that Gary kills Kieran so he doesn't have to. Because at mm, this point, Simon yeah. is... He He's is... still committed to... Yeah, he has been tasked his, with killing Kieran. Mission. Yeah, and he has to do it today. He has to do it at the 12th hour of today. And I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think he's really hoping Gary just does it. And it just frees him from the obligation to do it. I don't think it'd make him feel any better, but at least it wouldn't be his hand that did it. So he follows, but he does not interfere. And then we get a really sweet moment with Philip's mom. And oh my God, why was this relationship so sweet and everything about it perfect? Just so it could rip our hearts out at the end? Yeah. And then show them to us? Yep. Ah, because Philip's mom is like, she goes over and talks to Amy because Amy's eating a toffee apple. And she's like, Amy, are are you feeling okay? Are you okay? Because you you can't eat. Amy goes, oh, that's right. I forgot. I am PDS. I do not eat things. And then she goes and like puffs up her cheeks. like She's about to throw up. And Philip's like, oh, no, do you feel bad? Let's step outside. And so they go to leave. And his mom is like, Philip, I just want you to know you did good. He got a good one. Yeah. I love you, Philip. Yeah. Super sweet. Uh, uh, but the religious fanatics, the ones that Simon has been uh, frothing up like hot milk, have uh, escaped the house. Of course, they weren't there when Gary got there. But where they are is at the, the new They're, cemetery. They are preparing They're for like the second rising. chanting. And all I got to think was, how early did they get there? How long have they been standing over these graves just going, rise, rise? Rise, rise, rise. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not serious enough for that. I'd be like, guys, can we take a break? Can we, can we like take 15 and we'll come back? I mean, how soon is this going to happen? Do we have a timeline here? How long are we going to be chanting at these graves? If there's one thing that I felt was really like unclear, and maybe this was a deliberate choice, was like, why do we want the sec- the first rising? We keep talking about it in such vague, like mythological concepts that we don't have a clear like. We want the f- the second rising because. Dot dot dot. Maxine right. wants it because she thinks, as the vicar thought, that only the righteous and the de- like the ones who have deserve it will come back to life the second time around. Right, and they'll be whole. And they'll be whole, and incorruptible. Mm-hmm. Again, which is real, real good because Maxine's brother died in 1994. Yeah. So sorry, Maxine. Ah, uh, that's. There's not like, a lot of brothers. For left. the most part, we have a fairly scientific mythology about how the zombies work. Yeah. So, like, there's still a requirement that you have, like, a functioning brain. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, in The Walking Dead... Or flesh at all. It's a thing that everybody has, 
And then when you die. You come back. You come back. Immediately. Immediately. Right. And so that's why the zombies are all intact. Right. And here we have people who were dead for like less than a year. Right. And maybe it was something that they had. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And Uh, we don't know because it ended. And I guess having maybe I wonder if anybody like physically intact enough would have risen but that time period for when people would still be physically intact enough was around a year oh that could be it and yeah it people anybody could have risen if their body was still intact enough maybe maybe that's an interesting idea. I don't know. We don't talk about it. But and was Matt, it just humans? Matt did mention, did babies come back? <laughs> Are there any zombie babies? And I was like, like I want, did they? Oh my God. Cause they'd be stuck in their coffin. They wouldn't yeah. be able to get out. Yeah. So that's your uh, creepy shower thoughts with Matt and Rachel today. <laughs> if a baby zombie comes back in its little tiny coffin, is it stuck in there forever? Because it lacks the muscle control to dig its way out. I think it's like, there's that one episode, it was like something Z, or it was a television show. It was like Z World or Z something. It was on sci-fi for a little while. Yeah. And they had like a creepy baby zombie, which was supposed to be really funny, but we had a baby at the time, so I was traumatized. Yeah, I think it was Z Nation. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. We watched like two episodes. Right. Um, and then Kieran gets dumped by Gary. We're back to Gary. Gary drags him out. He dumps him in a field and he opens the blue. He's like, you want to go rabid? I'll give you go rabid. rabid. So he opens the pill and he dumps it on Kieran's injection site, which I guess it must just have to get into their system in some way. Right. We've seen people snort it before. When the people got on the train. Yeah, everybody else has snorted it, but they put it on Kieran's injection site, which it must work because he's immediately like, oh, shit. And he starts. But most of it gets spilled. Right. But he ends up running to the graveyard, the new graveyard, where all of the PDS sufferers are actually barring the living from entering because the march is headed to that cemetery. So they they're blocking the way because it's sacred ground. There's no living allowed. Right. And Kieran gets over the fence and he's tying himself to the vicar's uh, cage. Because remember, they put a cage over the vicar and they're yeah. like, it's what Just he would have case. wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And he's trying to tie himself to it, but he's losing control too fast. And then we go back to Maxine. And Maxine, this is when we get our big reveal of what Maxine's been up to. And she's been trying to instigate the second rising because she believes her brother will come back. And so she puts the train on his on his grave mm-hmm. and she's like, soon, little brother, soon. And she's just waiting because she thinks, knows, for some reason she knows that Simon has been, ta- oh, she does because she got she the got DVD. The DVD. Yeah. That's why she knew he was a disciple too. Okay, sorry. Just answered all my own questions. But she's waiting because she knows Simon is going to kill Kieran. And so, or kill the first risen. She doesn't know it's, she doesn't know that Simon thinks it's Kieran. Right. And she knows who th- she thinks the first Risen is. Yeah. Which I don't think Amy. we haven't revealed that yet. Um, I don't know if we have or not. Uh, be- all we've seen of her so far on that topic is yeah. uh, 
Sharon, whoever the B&B lady is, indicated a picture and then she put a picture in her purse. Yeah. But we didn't see whose picture we she put in her purse. Right. So uh, she has the idea of who the first Risen is right. from her perspective. And she knows that Simon has been tasked with killing the first Risen. But she figures if she knows who the first Risen is, he does Simon too. does too. Yeah. I mean, she's too far gone to make any accurate assumptions at this right. point, so it's fine. And so she's waiting because she thinks Simon's going to do her dirty work for her. And then her brother's going to come back and everything's going to be copacetic. And in the meantime, Kieran has gone rabid. And, and the bell has started tolling. And the clock has started tolling. And they find out that Kieran is in there. I think, does Gary tell her? Somebody tells Jem that her They're brother is in there and the he's rabid. the is coming up to the, the new cemetery. Right. The, and Jem is threatening the, the PDS sufferers yes. to get out of the way. And then, yeah, somebody says Kieran's in there. Um, yeah, I think it's Gary. Yeah, I think Gary, I think Gary runs, runs up runs and up. he's like, your brother went rabid. He took a bunch of blue oblivion and he went rabid and he's in that cemetery. Yeah. And Jem's like, what? And so she pulls her gun and she's like, get out of my way. And of course they, they crumble because, yeah. you know, religious devotion only runs so deep. And in these, in this particular group. And so they get into the graveyard and Jem is... She's going to shoot Karen or she's got her gun on Karen and she's like, dad, leave. I don't want you to see him like this. And her dad is like, nope, he's my son. He's and finally realized. Like, I have driven oh. him to this. I've driven him to this. Like probably my behavior contributed to the last time he ran away and yeah. did something drastic. Oh, no, I've done it again. My behavior has driven him to do this. Yeah. I didn't realize he was that desperate. Right. And I wasn't listening and now I'm listening. And he's yeah. like, listen, Kieran, I get it. I'm so sorry. And we see Kieran fighting it. Yeah. And Kieran walks up to his dad. He puts his hands on his dad's shoulders and he, he like his dad's face is going in and out of focus. And Kieran is just trying his best to not harm his father. And in the meantime, Jem has her gun out and Pearl, the lady who runs the bar, has her gun out. And as the clock is chiming, we see the two people with the gun and then we cut and back we to Maxine. And we see Simon at the edge of the graveyard yes. with his knife, knife, his saw, whatever. Right. And then, then we cut to Maxine and we hear a gunshot. And we don't know what just happened. And Maxine's like, all right. Yeah, and Maxine's like, yeah. All right, little brother, come on out. Ready or not, here we go. Okay, yeah, no, you can come out anytime now. It's fine. Little brother, are you, uh, are, are you, are you coming? Get, I mean, I'm, are we gonna, I'm listening. I don't hear anything. Are you, are you, is it, are you having a hard time? Get, should, I, should, I dig you, should I dig you out? That's an interesting choice. Why didn't she try to dig him out? If she was so for sure he was going to rise, why didn't she try to help him? Maybe so nobody would see her. Plausible deniability. Yeah. yeah, it could be that. Um, Yeah, but it doesn't work because Kieran didn't die. Simon took the bullet for Kieran. In the back. In the back. He jumped in front of him. He didn't die this time. Um, He just absorbed the impact for him. And... We're back at the cemetery where Maxine is, but this time we're talking with Amy and Philip because Amy has brought Philip to meet her nan. Aww. 
And he's talking to her nan. He's like, so those are all my hobbies and interests. And he's like, so those are all my hobbies and interests. Is there anything else that she would want to know? And so Amy's telling him about, Amy's telling Nan about Philip. And Philip's like, you're embarrassing me. And she's like, no, I'm just telling the truth. It's really sweet. He understands the importance of this to her. And he is doing his best to make it important to him too. Yeah. Because... They are doing nothing but giving us farther to fall because then Maxine runs up and stabs Amy in the chest right after she realized her heart had started beating. And bright red blood is on the knife. And then we go back to Simon and Kieran and they're having kind of a heart to heart in the doctor's office Mm -hmm. because Kieran's like, I mean, thank you, man. Like what just happened? Like... Shit went down today. Am I right? <laughs> or what? And Simon's like, you have no idea. And Simon is telling Kieran about how he's never seen anyone resist blue oblivion before. Right. And how, you know, he he's so special. And he's like, no, I don't have any special powers yeah, or he's anything. Like, I'm he's not like, special. but you do. The power to disappear. Yeah, where Without were you? Without fucking telling me where you were going and you were going to be gone for days. <laughs> Simon's like, oh, yeah, sorry. I got um, assigned to kill you. It's a whole thing. Can we talk about it later? Um, and just at that moment, Philip runs in with Amy, holding Amy's, like, bleeding body. And the little howl he lets out when he first comes in, like, ah, it's so, this is so sad. This whole, I had, I had hung my hat on this relationship because it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And they just took, they just ripped my heart out. It's so tragic. It, it's, well, it's so perfectly done. Because everything else is very emotional. Everything else is very, you know, we got a lot. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of, a lot happening. But this is a very personal, very real, very easy to empathize with. Thing that happens, a, a a result of the actions of the people in the town that really drives home what they're doing. It it's taking people away from the people that love them, and that represented to us is this almost perf- perfect love story between Philip and Amy, where they had the potential to be in love for the rest of Philip's life. Maybe Amy's life, too, since she was coming back to life. But that all gets taken away because of Maxine's selfishness. So who is the real villain? Because when given the opportunity to act out against his parents, Kieran fought to not hurt anybody else. Because it was more important to him to never harm anyone again than it was to serve his own agenda. Right. But Maxine would rather kill a woman... Amy, who we just found out was the first risen, according to my notes. Yep. Uh, and I called it that Kieran was not going to be the first risen, or I at least did. we don't think so. And so, yeah, who's the villain in this theory, in this season, in both seasons? It's the living. It's Gary. It's Maxine. It's the people continuing to drive the bigotry and hatred, either because they believe that's the right thing or to serve their own ends. And it's sad, and it's awful, and this is when Maxine arrives at the fate, and she is covered in blood. 
and she gets up in front of everybody at the microphone. And this is a beautiful mockery of every other moment where she has stood in front of the room at this microphone and completely commanded the attention of the people in the room. She also drops a bloody picture of Amy on her way in. Right, because that's the picture she took off her wall. Yeah. But every other time she's done this, she's gotten them on her side. She's gotten them fired up. She's gotten them ready to do her bidding. And she's trying to do that again, but she's covered in blood and talking absolute nonsense. Because she says, you know, her brother died here when he was very young. He was seven. He died here when he was young. And they said it was an accident. They said it was her. She doesn't finish it. She stops herself. Yeah. Before she admits that she did something. Yeah. Some actions of hers. He never should have been. uh, Something that happened. Yeah, he fell. And something that happened uh, that she did, some action that she took resulted in his death. And she has never let herself, uh, she's never forgiven herself for that. Right. She's carried that guilt and she needs him to come back so he can forgive her so that she can let it go. And everybody can be fresh and new and we can all have a new life. And we don't have to think about how we accidentally killed our brothers when we were children again. Okay, guys? And they're all like. Right, right. You know, you all know exactly what I'm talking about, right? What? And she's like, listen, I know how I said I didn't want a second rising, but this one is going to be better. There's going to be blackjack and hookers. I'm just kidding. It's going to be better. It will be the pure and the righteous and the people that deserve to come back. That's who's going to come back this but time. we have to uh, sacrifice the first risen. Yeah. And I thought I knew who that was. I thought it was the girl, but... It didn't work. It didn't work. So one of the first risen is here. All of the PDS in this town have to be destroyed. Yeah. So we make sure that the second rising can happen. Right. Which is exactly what the vicar wanted to do in episode one. Right. If we can kill everybody in Rorton, we can make the second rising happen. And they're all like, what? And then she starts going after the B&B ladies. Right. She's running down to get to the mother-in-law and Dean tases her. beautiful moment because she just falls forward and dean's just like oh weirdo (laughs) he's just like okay whatever ass hat (laughs) it's like wow wow thus endeth maxine i love how it wasn't it was dramatic in that she went up there and made a speech but then her getting captured was very like just like they did to the rabbits that's how they caught rabbits is tase them Mm -hmm. and then pack them off and it's it's brilliant. It really is. And then we go back to Amy because just as Amy was coming to life, she is now dead. She lost too much blood. She got stabbed in the heart. When he pulls open her eyes, her eyes look like they've her gone, eyes have gone back. They've gone back to normal. And that's it. That's the end of Amy. And Philip starts crying, and I started crying, and I think Matt cried a little bit, mm-hmm. and everybody cried. Kieran cried. It's it's awful. Amy was this beautiful, fun, vibrant source of life and light for all the people that knew her. And now she's just gone. And she's gone because Maxine, because of Maxine's selfish actions. And it's, it's, it's horrible. But she did leave a will and testament, remember? Yep. And it names Kieran as her, like her executor, the person to... Uh, take care of all of the things she's arranged for her afterlife. Yeah. Jim comes in while he's preparing 
And he said, you know, you're not allowed to wear any dark clothes or any boring suits. Yeah, where's your outfit? Oh, it's in my room. Yeah, for her totally cool send-off that she wanted. And she even has a VIP guest list, which Jem is on. And he does say, but he can't come, meaning Gary. And Jem says, oh, I already broke up with him. Because if it comes between his word and your word, I choose you. Yeah. Which is all Kieran has wanted to hear this entire time, which just, finally, I choose you. Finally, some acceptance from a family member. Right. And she Ooh. has this beautifully painted coffin. And I love the two date ranges. Like, this was my first yeah. life. This was my second life. And it's really sweet. And everybody's got on, like, flowers in their hair. And Kieran has on a dapper suit jacket and hat. And um, Philip tries to put... Everybody's putting stuff in there. Romance novel, a picture of her, a flower... And Philip tries to give her the stuffy that he won her, but he can't bring himself to drop it in there. And again, she has chosen her epitaph, but this time it is, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all." Appropriate. God! This was so sad. This was, oh, just chef's kiss if you're the type of person that loves to have your heart broken this that did it for you it did um and we find out that maxine's been committed because now we're at the the wake kind of the the after buffet of amy's funeral and they're kind of chatting everyone's spreading you know gossip and one of the things is that maxine has been committed and philip's not there because philip won't leave amy's graveside Probably thinking that she might come out again. She might come back, which is not an unrealistic, you know, it's happened before. They live in a world where the dead have risen. So, In particular, Amy has risen. Yeah. And Matt was like, why don't they give her a bell? Right? Yeah. Like they used to when they were afraid people would get buried alive. Yeah. And then we get kind of a wrap up. We're kind of showing all of our characters and where they are now. Because fucking Gary is now alone. And he has nothing in his wallet. And Dean is the only one who will buy him a drink. But he doesn't sit with him. He just gives him the drink. And we are all kind of back to our sham of acceptance and being able to live together because the religious dead, let's call them that, are at the pub. And they all have water because that makes people more comfortable if they sit there with something. Mm -hmm. And Pearl is allowing them all in because she's the one who tried to shoot Kieran. So she's working off her guilt. And then we go back to Kieran, and Kieran's in the bathroom, kind of having a moment. And his hand starts shaking. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. And he finally looks at himself in the mirror. And can we just give, like, a slow clap for this actor? Because he has to convey so much in this moment. He's not looking at a mirror. He's looking at a camera lens. Right. And he has to go from, ugh, I can't even stand the sight of myself, to... You know what? Maybe it's okay. And the only thing he gets to use is his facial expression. And it's so poignant and and co- is conveyed so well with just this simple him looking at himself in the mirror without feeling revulsion. Him looking at himself in the mirror and accepting that that's who he is now. And the fact that we went from season one, episode one, Kieran to season two, episode six, Kieran, in nine episodes. And that entire arc was believable and amazing. 
and just fucking fantastic is i mean i am here for this if every television show had this kind of writing i might watch television shows (laughs) because i wasn't expecting this i was expecting cheap conflict i was expecting like people making stupid frustrating decisions in order to keep the plot moving forward because that's what i have been conditioned to expect And we did none of that, and yet we still progressed the plot. We still had wonderful moments of conflict and tension and awkwardness, but they all felt believable. They all felt like I could watch this again, and I'm not like, oh, that part. I hate that part. I'll just fast forward through that part. Well, maybe every part with fucking Gary. Fucking Gary. Well, it kind of reminds me of Vesper, right? Because for the first part in Vesper, we were in. Oh, yeah. We loved Vesper. And then as soon as we got to the... The dude, the post-apocalyptic, dick-measuring dude who won't give up control of his tiny little world where he is king. I was like, checked out. And we could have gone that way with this so easily. We had all the makings. We had Gary. We had, I mean, Maxine tried, but we, I think we really did such a good job of not making that what this plot hung its hat on. We're not done with this episode. I just wanted to pontificate about that for a minute. Because Kieran's hands start shaking. He doesn't look at himself with hatred, which is amazing. And then Kieran sees the bracelet that Jem got from Gary, which was originally made by Henry. And he takes it in and he's like, Jem, where'd you get this? And she's like, oh, Gary made it for me, but I don't want it anymore. I already took it off. And he's like, Gary didn't make this for you. Henry made this for you. And she starts crying. He, he was showing it to everybody. Yeah, he, he showed, showed it to, it to me at the, party. the night that he disappeared. Yeah. And Jem starts crying. And he's like, Jem, you know what happened to Henry, don't you? And she just nods. So, And she starts kind of breaking down like it was an accident. It was dark. I thought he was yeah, I was on patrol. And she's like, Kieran, I think I need help. And he's like, okay, Jem, then we'll get you help. Again, like, just thank you. Thank you. This is, this kind of writing is what every television show should aspire to. A, I've already said all I wanted to say about it, but it's just a realistic narrative that tends towards the characters actually making the kinds of decisions that real people would make. Right. Yeah. 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 So... Or should make, which is the point of narrative. The point of narrative is a teaching, is to teach us, to show us, to expose us to things we wouldn't otherwise be exposed to so that we have that like cognitive mapping for what kind of decisions you make in that moment. So why should we not demonstrate these kinds of like, hey, they made mistakes, but they moved through it and now we've moved past it and we're better for it. Right. Yeah. So finally, we talked to Simon and Kieran. And Kieran is like, well, so are we going to hang out later or whatever? And Simon's like, actually, I think we should just leave. Like, we should just pack our shit and go. Yeah, this is uh, Simon shows up, or at least they're they're talking by the door. And Simon's like, let's just let's just get out of here, go somewhere far away. Yeah. And Kieran's like, well, no, like, like uh, Amy asked me, how far would I need to travel? To be okay with myself. And I thought I would have to travel around the entire world. But 
I don't anymore. Yeah, it turns out I'm okay I'm, right here. I'm perfectly fine. I am okay right here. And it's a big statement for him because a lot of what we've talked about in the last nine episodes, which felt like the 15 seasons, I don't even know, um, was like, I, I want to get out of here. I want to go. I don't want to be here. Being here is too painful. I can't be here. And now he's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm okay. I'm not ready to leave. And maybe to, maybe he'll move out and get his own place. Well, he maybe he has but, Amy's place now because he's the executive uh, of her stuff. That's a good yeah. point. And so um, his dad and mom come over and Simon is initially like, oh, shit. Oh, God, here we go. And they're both like, listen, we just want to thank you. Oh, yeah. And Simon is like, I don't want to talk to your parents because they blame me for yeah. all this stuff. And but they don't. They're like, thank you, Simon. Thank you for being there for our son. For taking a bullet for our son. Yeah. Literally taking yeah. a bullet for him. Um, Thank you. We accept you. And we accept your relationship. And we say, accept all of this. Like, this is what everybody's been waiting for this whole time is just like acceptance. And Philip finally leaves Amy's yeah. grave. Yeah, we cut to Amy's grave. Talking of acceptance. And he's just sitting cross-legged in front of the patch of dirt right and he puts the stuffy down and he gets up to walk away and the stuffy gets knocked over and he stops and for a minute subtitles say scuffling right and we he stops for a minute and then there's nothing okay and then he leaves and then we see the mystery duo remember the mystery duo they disappeared yep. earlier we haven't talked to them in a while and they're like oh, fucking finally and so they drive in suit up and dig up amy yeah and that's the end of the episode and that's the end of the series. That's the end of the season. End, end, end. And if anybody is disappointed in how this ended or the fact that it ended at all, I'm not disappointed in the ending. I think the ending is perfect. Just like yep. chef's kiss. Beautiful. But I'm disappointed it ended at all. And if you are, please, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to Dominic Mitchell's um, GoFundMe to um, you can help him raise money to write, at least write the third season so we can read it to see what was going to happen to everybody. Yeah, maybe and, make a graphic novel or something out of it. I don't know. That would be... Uh, I was thinking, what if yeah. this got popular again and people, like, people discovered it Yeah, and it got big enough, could you make a third season? And I don't think... Like, maybe... Maybe you could hop forward 10 years yeah, and get some of the actors back, but you know, they'll have, they'll look a lot older. Yeah. Uh, like you couldn't really film live action a third season. You could talk a third, you could talk a different story. Like we could have Kieran and them happening in the background, like mm -hmm. as part of people talking about them, but we could have like an entirely different group of characters. Oh, just set. Yeah. Just another just story in, the in world. that world. Yep. Yeah. And be like, did you hear about those people in Roarton, about the ones that are coming back to life? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You could do it that way. Um, but I don't want to brag or nothing because I'm pretty sure this is not our fault or our responsibility or something that we can take credit for. But his GoFundMe went from being unmatched to all the way funded. Okay. So cool. in the last um, like two weeks, it has been up ups for like two years. He's trying to raise like 8,000 pounds or something. And he was at like 2,900 and some or 7,900 and some. And it's finally up finally 
all the way to 8,000. So he's got 8,000 out of 8,000, but I'm sure a little more wouldn't hurt. So if you want to go just pledge five whatever dollars just to like, honestly, this man should be getting more credit for this. And the best way to show that he's on Instagram too. So you can follow him on Instagram or you could go and donate to his GoFundMe and you can leave a message or whatever and just be like, please, 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 please write the third season, start a podcast about it and then let us know so we can all listen to it because that would be fabulous. I will post a link for that in the show notes. So if you have a minute, if you have an extra buck, just head over there and and uh, donate because we have really enjoyed watching this. We have really enjoyed chatting about this and he should get the credit for um, the phenomenal writing that went into this. Ditto. <laughs> Matt's just nodding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're doing a good job over there, honey. Thanks. How you doing? How do you feel about the ending? It's good. It's good. I I think there's hooks set up for a third season, totally. Oh, yeah. And although most of the plot lines are resolved, except, yeah, we still don't know who is the undead prophet. What is the undead prophet actually trying to achieve? Right. And, and we know who the mystery duo are. They're... They, they work got the, for that, yeah. They got Dr. Rousseau's test results right, from Right, but they, they say, is there still time? And the guy goes, yeah, there's right. still time. Which kind of implies Amy might not be dead, dead, dead. Right, right. So what does that mean? Is this happening elsewhere? There's so many questions, or so many places to go. did they know that somebody at some point was going to, like, fully recover? Yeah, like they were going to get enough new cells or whatever they're going to get enough brain growth that their brain would start becoming self-sustaining again yeah probably uh the one doctor says eventually yeah the whole body should recover although she hasn't been taking neurotryptyline she's been taking apple cider vinegar so maybe that's the key all along which is what the undead prophet the mixture the undead prophet made right because we don't know what that guy has synthesized we don't know what she was taking right but Kieran wasn't taking it, and his hand is shaking. Right. So I think it's just a matter of time Yeah, that they knew that eventually some of the PDS sufferers would hit this point. And they're right. like, it's probably going to happen. We're, we're going to keep our ear to the ground for right. anything weird going on. And when Dr. Rousseau sent in Amy's labs, they were like, yeah. oh, shit, it's happening. We need to get there. Right. All right. Although it could just be like, do we have time? Is like, if she was alive. Well, I guess they wouldn't know. Yeah, we don't know. She had all come all the way back to life. We don't know what they meant at all. But I don't know. So this was farewell to In the Flesh. A bittersweet farewell. I'm going to pretend that Amy came back to life and ran off with Philip. And that you can't convince me otherwise. Oh, yeah, definitely. Season three. Yeah. Amy comes back in the lab and escapes the lab. Yeah, gets back with Philip. They run off into the sunset. She comes back to life and they have many, many babies. Or whatever. They don't want to have babies. That's fine, too. Yeah. Uh, That's the ending. Yeah. And now we're back to Forever Night, which will be coming out on Come Come In 81 Kilo. Uh, not Strange and Beautiful Book Club. 
come in 81 kilo. There is a link in the show notes. Go ahead and go over there and follow. If you've been anxiously awaiting the return of our Forever Night series, it will be back in July. So the best way to keep up with that is to go ahead and just go ahead and follow it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And we have a Patreon. I also posted the link to the GoFundMe on our Patreon as a public post. So if you just go over there and follow us, um, you know, it follows. You can just click on that, but you can also follow us because I do post things over there occasionally. And as long as it's not um, like audible content, audio content, um, it's usually free. It's usually just a public post. I kind of use it like a blog. So that's a great place to go to kind of keep up with us if you're not on the gram. But you can also go on the Instagram and follow us at Strange and Beautiful Network. We oh, are now Strange the... and Beautiful Network. And I am so close to changing the link from Anchor, which we haven't been on for like a month now, <laughs> to something different. Oh, well. But my timeline is my own, as we say around here. And, I mean, yeah, we do. You say that, don't you, honey? Your timeline is your own? Yeah. Not really. Oh, shut up. Okay. He does. He just doesn't want to admit it on air. So I guess we'll just leave it here. So remember, sometimes the undead things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love and who you love. And this has been a wonderful pride collection for 2023. Until next time, friends. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.